I really like to approach sales calls with the intention to help the client, to solve their problems, to help them reach their goals rather than make a sale. The mindset side of a, a sales call can be the hardest part. I would get ghosted, but now 80% of my sales calls end up going ahead. Welcome back to another juicy episode of Off Air. I am really excited for today's episode because we're going to be talking about a key part of every designer's process, which to be honest, I only recently started implementing at the beginning of this year. And over time, my methods have changed and evolved hugely. So not only are we going to be talking about the daunting process of sales calls, but we're also going to be talking about how to effectively execute one in a way that helps you to convert more leads into actual clients. Now, this wouldn't be a season two episode of Off Air if we didn't have an expert guest here to share their knowledge. And today we are blessed with the presence of Alice. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I was so excited to get you on. Uh, do you want to like introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. So yeah, my name's Alice. My full name's Alice Benham. I don't know why I introduced myself like that. It sounds very weird. <laughs> um, and my official title is I'm a business and marketing strategist. So my work exists to help value-driven business owners level up what they do in a way that feels good for them. So I'm big on helping people to grow, scale, pivot businesses, but big caveat, always in a way that aligns with their purpose and their values. So yes. trying to help people have success, but not sacrifice on anything in the process. Yes, I absolutely love that. And you obviously yeah. also have your own podcast, Starting the Conversation, which I absolutely love. And it's on a very like similar wavelength to Off Air in the sense that it's all about having honest, you know, down to earth conversations. So make sure and go and check that out once you finish this episode, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love that because I think it's so important to talk about the realities of owning a creative business. Yeah, and it's so easy to think that you're the only one struggling with something. Mm -hmm. But when you hear these conversations, it's just that sigh of relief, isn't it? Of like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. And I think yes. when you are when you feel okay about having challenges, you can actually then see them as learning opportunities rather than, oh, well, because I did that, that means I'm a bad business owner or that means that I'm not going to succeed. Actually, then you can look at them objectively and be like, okay, maybe it didn't go how I wanted, but let's <laughs> learn from it and move forward. So I yeah, love that you're exactly. doing that too. Yeah, I mean, when I very first kind of started my business a couple of years ago, I was just so in the dark about so much. I had no idea how to price myself. I had no idea how the process of being a brand designer even worked. I just, I was clueless. Um, and I feel like there are so many people in the same boat, whether you have been to uni, whether you're starting it out, whether you're a bit older and you're having a career change, like it's just having that valuable information out there that you can turn to and that's not, you know, fluffed up and, you know, it's down to earth, it's real. These are real experiences. Yes, because there's not a three-step plan, is there? Sadly, I'd quite exactly. like that sometimes, but there's not. <laughs> so let's get into sales calls because I know that's the reason you're all here. Um, and for the designers or coaches or copywriters or whatever your service might be uh, that have never done a sales call before and maybe aren't too sure how to do them, how would you summarize the sales call process? Oh, I would say a sales call is about bridging the gap between someone being interested in what you do to them making an informed consensual decision about whether they want to work with you yes. or not. So the way that works within my business, and I think this is pretty typical for a process, is that for me a sales call is the the bridge between someone filling out an inquiry form on my website or sending me a DM, um, and then the onboarding process of them becoming a client kicking off. So it's yes. that middle point. Um, is that true for you as well? Is that kind of yeah, the process you go through? for sure. So for me, you know, it's pretty much the same. I get my clients to fill out an inquiry form on my website, which is a little bit in depth in terms of giving me the information that I need, but not so in depth. So it still leaves a lot of room for asking questions. Mm -hmm. um, I then have my assistant um, email them, set up a call, um, and then yeah, we'll jump on the sales call. And then after that, I'll go ahead and put together a proposal, which I might do a whole other episode on because, you know, they're a huge thing that I feel like is not gonna be you know, I'm not going to be able to go as in depth in this conversation, yeah. but they are important. It's a whole nother step, right? And then, then, exactly. then that brings the whole conversation of like client onboarding and client yes. experience. So precisely. Um, and then I possibly jump on a follow up call to kind of set them up, but it doesn't always go that way. So 
So yeah, that's kind of how it works for me. Do you do proposals as well, I'm guessing, yeah? Yeah, so people will generally, if they're following the process I've mapped out, you know what people are like. They always send you a DM, even though you say don't DM me. Um, We love it. But yeah, people typically send an email via my website. Um, I don't ask them many questions up front. I just work from what they've told me. Uh, Jump on a sales call, or I just, I don't even see it as a sales call. I just see it as like jumping on a call. Um, And then off the back of that, yeah, it's either it's not a good fit or thankfully most of the time uh, sending a proposal mm-hmm. and then that kicks off like you said a whole nother process which is a yes. nice conversation do you ever say kind of no we're not the right fit at the inquiry stage because I know I pretty much only do calls with people where I'm like yes I feel very connected with this brand it's quite rare that I won't jump on a call with someone but that's not just because I if, if I think they might not be a fit for one-to-one it might be that they'd be a fit for one of my other offerings. Yeah. So I'll usually reply with like, look, based off of what you said, I don't think my one-to-one work is a fit, even though that's what you've inquired in. If you would like to have a conversation and I can perhaps help you to see if mm-hmm. something else might be a better fit, then great. But also, I, mean, I just really love those conversations. They're so yeah. valuable and insightful for me as a business owner. So actually, I'm pretty willing to jump on a call with most people that are interested in working (laughs) together um whether I say that in a year's time when my schedule goes up another level of busyness we'll wait and see but at the moment most of the no is once we've had the call or on the call yes and I think it's so important to just kind of mention that every single person's process is going to be different Mm -hmm. so you know as we've just mentioned Alice and I do things slightly different in that sense but like find what works for you there's no xyz formula to how these things work Um, So I know for me, I really like to approach sales calls and and my services in general with the intention to help the client, to solve their problems, to help them reach their goals rather than make a sale, make Mm -hmm. money, gain a client. And while I guess that's the ultimate goal of the sales call itself, I find that getting into the mindset of I'm here to help this potential client the best way that I can really helps to relieve that pressure of, oh my God, I'm on a sales call. I have to talk about money. It's so scary, blah, blah, blah. So before we get into the ins and outs of what exactly to include in your sales call, do you have any tips for mindset and, you know, overcoming the perhaps confidence barrier that I'm sure everyone faces? Yeah, and I think the mindset side of a a sales call can be the hardest part because like you said, it feels like there's so much pressure of like, God, I've got to sell myself. I've got to convince someone to work with me. And, you know, if they don't want to work with me, that's a direct reflection on me and I failed and... I think you you hit it perfectly there of going into it with the right expectations Mm -hmm. and not going into it as right my goal is to make a sale but actually going into it as a right as I said at the start my goal is to have a conversation with someone that helps them decide if I'm the right person to help them or not as soon as that becomes your goal that's pretty impossible for that not to be within your control to achieve obviously that's still then you've got to be intentional about how you do that but by reframing it a sales call that doesn't end in a sale is no longer a failure. Actually, that's a success because that means you did your sales call in the right way. You helped them mm. to make the right decision for them, which in turn is the right decision for you. Like yes. I'm sure we have all had, and if you haven't yet, you might learn it the hard way, a <laughs> difficult client that teaches you the lesson of working with the wrong people. It's often not worth the money that it brings into your business exactly. if they're not the right fit. And so it's not about convincing someone you're right for them or trying to get them to give your business money. It's actually just this conversation that helps you both make the right decision. And I think seeing it as a conversation, like even the language that you use, like I don't say sales call or inquiry call. Like I just say, let's jump on a call, let's have a chat. Because that even helps me know, okay, there's no pressure behind this. Um, And then I think the other thing I'd say with mindset is that you kind of have to back yourself first and I know it's Mm -hmm. a bit chicken and egg of like you know if you've not done a sales call before if if you haven't got a ton of evidence that says that people want to work with you or you're great at what you do it's hard to believe that yourself but I think sometimes you've got to have that kind of fake it so you make it mentality of like well if you're going to convince someone else to back you you've got to back yourself first and actually that confidence is infectious and I'm I'm no mindset coach I'm big on like the practical strategy (laughs) stuff mindset works amazing it's not my genius um but what I will say is that clarity breeds confidence and so if you have real clarity around what you do who you help what your brilliance is you are going to find it so much easier to step into that call with confidence Mm -hmm. because any question they fire at you you've got the clarity to be able to 
answer it and explain it. So I'd say those would be my encouragements. Go into it with the right expectations and you kind of can never lose if you take the pressure off to not sell. Exactly. Um, and yeah, back yourself first and have as much clarity as you can. Because also if you don't get what you do, how in the world are they going to get it? It has mm-hmm. to start with you. <laughs> I feel like the more sales calls that you actually do as well, the, the easier it becomes. I mean, yes. when I first started, I was so like, oh my God, how am I going to do a call? I, do you know what? I think the first ever call that I actually did with a client wasn't um, like a, a sales call or discovery call, whatever. It was actually a feedback call because um, I wanted to ease myself in slowly with the whole one-to-one client thing. Um so yeah, honestly, like the more you do it, the more your confidence will grow. Yes. The more you will learn how to talk about yourself in a way that doesn't sound like really salesy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we will get onto that a little bit later. But I mean, for the first like year of my business, even maybe a little bit more than that, I never did sales calls. And actually it was a combination of a previous podcast episode with Alyssa from Brand and Bloom Designs and the 10K Girl Gang course, which I literally mention every single episode, so I'm not gonna get into it today. <laughs> I'm always but... seeing it on your Instagram. I'm like, I know. she loves it. <laughs> but it really made me think, oh, I, I really should be having calls with my clients. And ever since I started, I'm just like, why on earth have I never done this before? So like, what would you say are some of the benefits of having these one-to-one calls with your clients, specifically kind of the sales calls or discovery call or whatever you want to call it? Gosh, I mean, I think there's no reason, like I would love someone to tell me a reason not to do sales calls. I just think they make so much sense. Um, I think especially when you're working one-to-one with someone, which I'm presuming most of the listeners will be, you know, it being a right fit is so important. And what I say to clients is that the right fit isn't just about they have a problem that you can help them solve, right? That just makes someone a potential client. What Mm -hmm. makes someone an ideal potential client is they're also a fit in terms of your approach, your values, the way that you like doing things, the way that you show up, the way that you communicate. And I think when you start out, you kind of don't know that those other elements are so important. It's like, oh, there's someone that is willing to pay X amount for a website, I can do that, so great, we're a perfect fit. And it's so much more than that. And again, it's it's often the experiences where someone isn't an ideal client that teaches you those lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those are things that are really hard to gauge in written form. You know, you can exactly. have a form, which is great, which asks people, is this what you need? Is this your budget? Does it work timeline-wise? And all those boxes can be ticked. But that doesn't really tell you anything about how they're going to be as a client, how they're going to treat you, what their expectations are going to mm-hmm. be like. And I think in business, especially as one-to-one service providers, when when it's a fit almost um, psychographically, like in terms of who they are as people, mm-hmm. running your business is so much more joyful and you're excited to do your work and you bring better to your clients as a result of that. So I think yeah. that for me would be like the main reason is because it means that you're working with the people that really are a right fit. And when you're working with the right people, everything else in your business yeah. increases. I mean, I can't agree more. I mean. I've recently really started to try and to focus on that and really establish what kind of people I want to work with. I mean, it's in the same sense that when we're doing strategy for clients, you uncover the target audience, you think about, are they a night out or a night in person? And all of these Mm. fun factors that help you to establish what their target audience is. We need to do that with ourselves as well. I mean, I love working with people that are similar to myself. They're organized people. They're probably quite bubbly, quite friendly. They're really ambitious and enthusiastic Mm. about what they do. And I've worked with people on the opposite end of the spectrum. And trust me, it's not a fun experience. (laughs) (laughs) None of them have ended up in a good way. So having that call with a client, you can really get a feel for who they are as a person. And Mm. yeah, I absolutely love that as well. And I think one of the reasons why I love sales calls so much as well is because it really helps you to have such a better relationship with your clients. Um, You know, it's one thing to kind of send a quote via email, but when you're actually talking to them in person, they can get a feel for who you are, you can get a feel for who they are, like we mentioned, and it just helps the whole process of the project go so much more smoothly. And not to mention as well, they really do help you to sell them higher ticket services. You know, if you're in the price bracket of at least, I would say, 1k upwards like you need to be going on calls as I mentioned you know I used to jump on an email in response to their inquiry and do like a whole sales pitch in an email (laughs) and then whack the price at the bottom and be like is this good and I would get ghosted so much but nowadays like 
I would honestly say like 80% of my sales calls end up like going ahead with the pricing that I set out to charge. Do you know what I mean? And I've the only ones that haven't have been the ones that just weren't a good fit. Um, so, you know, they really do help you to sell them higher ticket services because in order for people to spend and invest that much money in you and your services, they need to be able to trust you, understand who you are, ask you questions, and that can only really be achieved on a call. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think when you've got that good relationship with a client, it, it's almost like insurance for anything that might happen whilst you're working together. Like I have such yeah. a good relationship with my clients. I know if I needed to move a call, if I had an emergency, if something had to change, if, if I messed up on something, you know, we're human, they would be so much more and they are yeah. more understanding of it because we have a foundation of a relationship in place. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if anyone's listening who's like a coach or a mentor, like I spend days with clients at a time. So if I didn't vibe with them, if I didn't enjoy spending time <laughs> with them, like that would slightly be torture. And like now some of my past clients are some really close friends because it was a fit mm-hmm. personality wise as well. Um, and I think it, it's, it, it's better for the client too, for them to be able to have that opportunity to figure out if you're a fit. I think getting to know someone via email probably does feel a bit like, okay, taking a bit of risk, you'll wait and see what Katie's like once we start working with her. Exactly. But it gives them so much more confidence as well. And I mean, on both sides, it's important that, that that's there. So you jump on a sales call, besides the obvious, hello, how do you kick things off? Because I feel like it can always be a bit awkward. You're like, oh, can you hear me? Okay, can you see me? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like how, how do you kick things off? I'm I'm a fan of a bit of small talk. Might be controversial. Mm-hmm. I just think it feels a bit weird to get like straight into it. And the kind of relationship mm. I have with my clients, like it isn't, hey, great to see you today. Like, let's get straight into it. You know, how's your launch going? How's that strategy we discussed? Like we have a few minutes of how's your week? Oh my gosh, that's so funny that happened. How crazy that Instagram went down last night. So I, in the past, I'm fine with it now. I've kind of built up that muscle. I feel confident enough. But in the past, I would kind of know what I was going to start the conversation with. So if something recent had happened, you know, great example, like, hey, wasn't it crazy that Instagram went down last Mm -hmm. night? Like, how did you find that? Like, try and find something that's a little bit surface level, you know, talking about the weather. How's your week been so far? Oh, have you had a crazy morning as well? Like anything that just kind of helps to break the ice, I think can ease both of you into the call and just gives you almost a moment to like center yourself before feeling like Mm -hmm. you've got to then get into the kind of bulk of the sales call. Yeah, definitely. My puppy has just started barking downstairs <laughs> and I'm the only one home, so I do apologise if you can hear it in the background. I'll try and cut it out <laughs> as much as I can. But, um, but you yeah, know, I totally agree. I do like to go in with a bit of small talk. I feel like it just helps establish that relationship where, mm-hmm. rather than being like, okay, let's talk pricing. It's just, it's so much more natural, isn't it? Um, I used to do like a whole speech about who I am, my USP, my niche, etc. But like I mentioned earlier, when I switched my mindset, I realized that the call is so much more about, you know, the client and them selling themselves to you in a way. And it's more about asking the right questions and establishing a relationship mm. rather than jumping in straight with like, oh, well, my studio is Wildflower and we use a strategic approach to help you, blah, blah, blah. So I'm always, you know, I always start with saying that this is a very casual no pressure conversation purely just to get to know each other and then I jump in with asking them about their business their values the things they desire etc I love that and I think giving that context up front of like look this is what this cause is call is about just helps both of you again have yeah. those right expectations and I think something to remember is that like you are the service provider you're leading this call I think it can be easy to want to be like you know I want to it to work for them so I'm just going to follow their lead like I'll just see yeah. how they start chatting and, and what they want the vibe of the call to be and it's like actually like you are there to lead and they're looking mm-hmm. to you for that structure so actually saying look this is what this call is about I even say at the start like look this is a call we're going to talk a bit about where you're at talk a bit about where you want to be and figure out if I can help you get from A to B there's no pressure yes. but let's get into it like even just that I think can help the clients feel 
almost safer of like, okay, mm-hmm. I know what's going to happen. Great. Now I can kind of relax into this. And sometimes you will come across people that do want to like lead the call themselves, especially mm-hmm. if they are a personal brand themselves. If, you know, you're a designer working with a coach, for example, or something like that situation, they can sometimes want to lead the call. Yep. So establishing that from the get go is a really great way to do things. Yes. Um, so I really frame, and as I've mentioned, I really frame my sales calls and my services with the idea of I'm here to help you reach your goal not I'm here to provide you a service which I think has a lot to do with my pricing structure which I've discussed in a previous episode but I think approaching sales calls in this way can really change your perspective as Mm -hmm. well because you know you're not just jumping straight in with the sales techniques you're there to establish a relationship absolutely and I think if you look to understand more of their problems and their needs before jumping into how you can help them you you give the client a really amazing service in doing that because then even if you're not a right fit for them you've helped them to understand what it is that they need and what is going to be helpful for them Um, and that's kind of my goal of like you either leave the call ready to work with me and for me to help you or you feel better informed about what help you need and where to go and find that from exactly and then I've had a lot of times where those clients then come back two years later they're like oh now I'm a fit for you because I had this great experience you didn't you know you gave me another option or you didn't just say no because I didn't want to work with you at that point Mm -hmm. um yeah sorry I went on a total tangent there (laughs) no no it's so good this is the kind of stuff that I love to uncover in this podcast (laughs) I know for me so I split my calls up into like three sections or like phases Um, So the first is discovery. So really learning about the client, their goals, the things that are important to them. The second is more logistical questions that you kind of need to establish. So things like, how do you see Wildflower being a part of and helping you to reach your goal? Why do you feel like now is the right time to invest in branding? And even sometimes I'll ask them, you know, do you have a timeline? Um, I might ask things like if they're a packaging client, I might establish if they've already got their manufacturers, you know, just the more logistical questions. And this really sets the foundation for the final section, which is discussing money, (laughs) which we will get onto a bit later. But so make sure to stick around for that for sure. So that's my method. How do you like to approach them? I love that. I think pretty similar. I've got like a three step process, but Mm -hmm. I guess I would lump money in with like the end one plus other topics. Cause I know with what you do, it's like so bespoke pricing. Whereas as a one-to-one coach, (laughs) don't don't know what other coaches there are. um, (laughs) It's a little bit more packaged up. So that's not as much of a chat. So I tend to start with, well, I always start with like, so tell me more. I love a backstory. I always want to know why did it begin? And I think that gives a lot of context to, for the work I do, why their business maybe isn't working for them in the way that they want it to. So I usually have like section one is like, where are you at now? How are things feeling? Um, and generally clients, like, I don't even need to prompt that. They're just like word vomiting, like yeah. everything's blah, blah, blah. And I don't know this and I want to do that. Um, and then sometimes it will naturally transition into this second part, but sometimes I have to nudge it along of like, yeah. okay, let's talk about what you want to be feeling what's the goal what's the why you know why are you wanting to get this kind of support and Mm -hmm. I think that's helpful for me to understand if their goals are actually something I can help them with Um, and also for them I think to kind of reconnect to the purpose behind wanting to get help Mm -hmm. of like okay yeah this is the purpose and this is the why and then the third section is like okay if you you know section one is where you are section two is where you want to be now let me talk you through not even how I can get you from here to here, but here's how you need to get from here to here. So I'll kind of say, look, I think you need to revisit this part of your business foundations, redo your systems and processes, and then do some strategic goal setting. And then generally that transitions to like, so if I were to help you with that, here's what I would look like, costings, timelines, next steps. And like I I said, sometimes that's really natural and I get to the end of the call and I'm like, flip, that was just a conversation and they booked in. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm sat there like, okay, how do I get them to this next bit that we need to talk about? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, they're never the same. Sometimes I end up going completely off tangent. Like I normally write out a bit of a a worksheet type thing. I have a set one and then I basically edit it for each inquiry, depending on what we need to talk about. Sometimes I just completely forget about that. <laughs> Sometimes it just completely goes off on a tangent. Yeah. Um, but do you have any like key questions that you really like to ask or anything that you think is like, yes, you need to be asking this? I think, see, it slightly depends what you do, but I think... Yeah, of course. Questioning why it is that they're looking for this 
service not necessarily from you directly I think that's a different question Mm. but actually like what is the why behind it because I've got on calls before where when we've actually dug into it they just felt like they had to have a coach or someone said to them you know to have a successful business you need this or you need that and then when I've actually questioned it there's maybe not the right purpose behind it so Mm -hmm. I think understanding why is really powerful for you as the service provider to figure out hey is that actually a purpose I can help them with you know if if you're a designer and a client saying I want to get 100,000 Instagram followers but you don't like doing results-based work and you're more about creating this amazing brand and what they do with it is then up to them well that's maybe not a right fit for you because although they want brand design they don't have the end goal that aligns with how you like to work like I always ask you know why do you feel like now is the right time to invest in branding Mm. and I had a call recently and so it was a client she'd come to me previously and then kind of she actually already had a logo and I basically had to turn around and say, look, we don't really work with people that already have branding because we like to build things from scratch, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually, I think like a month or two later, she actually came back to me and she said, I want to work with you. Like, let's figure out how we can do this. So I said in the call, why do you feel like now is the right time to invest in branding? And she said, well, I've got this logo and I was going to use it, but then I realised that I want to go into this industry. She was creating an eco-friendly cleaning product line, which is an amazing business model that she has. Mm. Um, and she said, I want to go into this as an established business. I want to go into it earning the trust from my customers and educating them. And that's not going to happen if I have some like bad DIY like £30 logo. Mm-hmm. So I started to realise the importance of branding and that's why now is the right time. And I was like, yes, you hit the nail yes. on the head with that one. You're almost willing them to say those things, aren't you? You have in your head like, okay, you know, I work best with clients who are super action focused and clients who are, you know, going to set aside the time for it and they're committed and you're kind of like testing them to be like Mm -hmm. are they gonna say the things that I need to hear to know that we're a good fit I mean I would just say to people like question what are your non-negotiables of how a client is and how they approach your work and Mm -hmm. who they are and where they're at I think sometimes the easiest way to figure this stuff out is to start with the negative we can struggle with positive questions of like you know what's a dream client it's a bit like well I don't know but if I said what's a nightmare client or what would be your worst inquiry call if someone were to say something what would make you go nah not for me that negative holds information because if you flip it on its head it tells you something that you do want which is the opposite of that so I'd say for anyone listening like spend a bit of time off the back of this episode like reflecting on that for you and then think right what questions can I ask that help me understand that and even having those questions like written out beforehand I think can help just because then Mm -hmm. you know okay I'm definitely going to ask that because I've already got that Yes, that is such a great way of looking at things. And I'm going to challenge you all now after this episode, (laughs) go and write these things down, figure out what you don't want in a client and then figure out what you do, because it gives you a really great way to be able to know what you're looking for in a call. Like I know a lot of um, designers and I'm sure a lot of business owners in general do this, but I know a lot of people look at personality types when they're doing sales calls. Um, Because I remember Carly Anna mentioned something to me. She was like, I don't work with people who are type A personalities because I just know for a fact that I do not work well with them kinds of people, which is funny because I'm a type A. I was going to say, me too. I'm not going to go near it. Sorry, Carly. Exactly. Well, like I, so I know that I like to work with people who are like me. So I like to work with really organized, clear people who are ambitious and you know just establishing those things gives you something really great to look for Mm. um another question that I really like to ask and you might have heard of this is the Dan Sullivan question um I've probably mentioned this a couple of times before as well but basically it is if three years from today you and I are having a coffee or a virtual coffee and you're really happy with the progress that your business has made what has happened to make you so happy Yes. And I think I it's a that. really great way to, th- to frame things because you're not just saying, where do you want to be in three years time? Because then they can easily turn around and say, I want to have 100,000 followers. Um, I want to have a successful business. Like, yeah, of course we all do. But it might they might end up turning around and saying, well, three years from now, um, I would really love to you know, be able to say that I have more time to spend with my family and more time to spend with my children. And then you can establish, right, so I know something really important to you is having that freedom in your business and we can help you get there. Mm. It's really, it's a much deeper way of asking people about their goals and it can really help you establish more things. And then, you know, they might give me an answer that's saying like, oh, I, I really want to be 
a well-known brand that's featured in Vogue. And then I would turn around and say, why is that so important to you? Yes. And you just dig deeper into those questions and it just really helps you to get to know their goals and essentially how you can help them reach them. I love that. I think that's a, I'm stealing that. That's an amazing question (laughs) to ask because as you say, it helps you to understand the why behind these more like qualitative goals. You know, the quality Mm -hmm. stuff is, is great. I want this growth. I want this success, but it's rarely about that. It's about what that allows them to do or what that represents. And it kind of along those lines, I always like to ask the client, like at the end of our work together, how do we know that this is a success? And that's a question I ask, not just for me to understand that, but I come back to it throughout our work together. And the interesting thing is sometimes it changes. So I had a client the other day, we did our kind of midway check-in and I was like, look, you know, this is what you said at the start. This is why you wanted to work together. Let's check in on that and evolve it. And I think that can help guide your client process Mm -hmm. as well. Um, and measure your success because especially with something like what you do like it, it can be a bit tick boxy like did I deliver a brand yes or no well yes I did great yeah. but it's like but did that have the impact it was intended to have and mm-hmm. let's look at it on a deeper level I love that and that's why I think like recording your sales calls making notes is so important mm-hmm. because that content is invaluable not just for then that client but for you you know the more you speak to people the more you learn and all of that you can take into the rest of your business so let's talk about money because this is probably the part of the call that people feel the most hesitant about and I mean I know I did I never used to chat about money on my call and then recently I really changed my mindset so do you discuss kind of quotes and calls and if so how do you approach the subject yes it does differ depending on what you do so I can speak from personal experience and then maybe apply it to a business that looks Mm -hmm. a little bit more like yours because I'm conscious it looks quite different um but yeah with what I do all of my prices I work in packages and I will do bespoke work for clients but it's pretty easy for them to do the maths of like right well if I want Alice for more than six sessions I just double that and that's going to be it like you know what I do is pretty easy to package up um and I think if that's you and you are able to do some form of packages whether it's just a starting from price or set pricing I am yet to hear an argument for not putting that out publicly Ah, okay see we're completely (laughs) different in that sense I think again it depends on depends on your business model yeah and have having had a look at kind of your notes previous episode I wouldn't apply this to necessarily your business but I think Mm -hmm. you know if you're just take me and what I do right if you work one-to-one and it's a pretty clear transaction of like this amount of hours for this chunk of work. I know that what I deliver isn't about the hours, it's the impact, but um, that's how I figure out my pricing. Um, And I find if I didn't put my pricing externally or there was no communication of that pre-sales call, I know that I would waste a fair bit of my time and other people's time on sales calls where it just Mm -hmm. financially wasn't gonna be a right fit. I think we are naive to think that pricing isn't a point of consideration for people. We'd love to think everyone's got all the money in the world, but it is, a part of who of how people make financial yeah. decisions, right? Um, and I think the more information you can give up front, that's probably why I say yes to every sales call is because I put enough information externally that it yeah. kind of helps people to say no without even having to have a conversation with me. Um, where that is then a little bit different is with a business like yours, where yeah. you're pricing a little bit more based on like the business size and the deliverables and the impact that's going to make. And it's more kind of, Uh, value-based pricing as opposed to time-based which is where I think what I would say is some form of communication of pricing pre-sales call is going to make your life so much less terrifying because of course it's going to feel scary if you've had a 45-minute conversation with someone back and forth emails and then there's like this crescendo point at the end of the call where you're like they have no clue what number I'm about to say I could say a thousand I could say ten thousand they have no bearing of course that feels really scary to do But if Mm -hmm. there's some form of pre-communication, form, website, email, doesn't have to be external, that gives them at least a ballpark figure. I don't know if you agree with this, but I think it makes it feel a little bit less terrifying. Yeah, no, I mean, I know when I'm kind of approaching other people for their services, whether it's a copywriter or a coach, I do like to have some kind of like ballpark number. But yeah, we do do things really differently. Mm. So, and this again, this is really interesting. It's why I like to have these conversations because, you know, it's all about figuring out what works for you. 100%. Um, Me personally, I don't put my pricing anywhere and I'm going to get into this now. So 
you know, I personally think that talking about money on a call is a must. Yeah. You know, and it can seem really scary, but I do promise that if you approach it with confidence and if you have a plan, if they then turn around and say, no, I can't afford that, which, you know, does happen, mm-hmm. then there's not really a lot that can go wrong. And if they do start going off on one on the call about how your prices are ridiculous, which, you know, is very unlikely, by the way, then they aren't the right client for you. Never ever lower your prices to below what you're comfortable working for if somebody complains about them being too high. And that is one of my rules that I absolutely stick to. And I think it's something to definitely bear in mind when you're doing these calls and talking about pricing, you know, have your limits, set your boundaries. Mm -hmm. So with my process, I get into the discussion about money after the question about why they chose to reach out to me because I find it's the perfect time. You know, they're set up, they're going, yeah, I want to work with you because of this, this and this. Then I'm going to go, right, let's do it then. <laughs> um, so I'll tell you exactly what I say. So so we've done a lot of chatting about your goals and a big part of what we do at Wildflower is using those goals as a focus point for the project and doing everything we can to support you in that growth. So for us to achieve your desired result of hitting 100k followers on Instagram and being featured in Vogue, we would normally be looking at an investment of around six to 10k. Does that sound fair to you? As a rule of a thumb here, like I always go higher than my base prices because you know, you can always lower them. So now in my little call outline worksheet thing, um, I then have a section four if they agree and then a section four if they don't agree. So I know what I'm gonna be saying either way. If they agree and they say, yep, that sounds great. I tell them that I'll go away, put together a proposal with a couple of options between six and 10K. Does that feel like something you can agree to? And I find this is a really important question to ask because, you know, it's almost like you get that confirmation on the call of, yeah, I'm ready to make this investment. However, if they turn around and say, "Mm, that's a little bit out of my price range, I wasn't really expecting to pay that much, then I say, it's clear that you're in the mindset to make an investment, which is amazing, but I think we would all spend as much as it takes to reach our goals. So in a realistic sense, what is your budget to reach the desired result? And this ladies and gentlemen is why I don't do set packages anymore because then I basically tell the client what is possible for their budget or you know, 1K might be a case of removing some revisions or the client paying upfront. I always have these little things that I can do to my packages to make them a little bit more affordable if that's something that I feel is right and what I want to do. It's so much harder to have set packages if you're using this kind of method because you would just end up turning around and saying, well, our standard branding package is 2K and that's that. But once the client then tells me their budget, I say, okay, for that price point, we would be able to do our day rate service, which includes branding, which will help you get a step closer to your goals. And there are also a couple of other options should that still be a bit out of your price range. If I were to send you a proposal with a couple of different options between one and 3K, does that sound like something you could agree to? And then I tailor my packages or, you know, I don't like calling the packages, my services within my proposal to basically edit bits and do what is right for the client. But I learned that keeping things open really helps you to tailor your services to the needs of your clients rather than giving them set deliverables with set revisions and a set pricing to choose from. Um, So, you know, as Alice said, she does things that way. I don't, it completely depends what works for you. Mm. That's just my method and how I like to do things. And I find that it works for me. So I love that. And two different ends of the spectrum, but perfect fits for the businesses that we run. Um, And I think it, yeah, it does really depend on the work that you do. I've worked with a fair few designers before where it's actually unproductive for their businesses to come up with these really clear set packages Mm -hmm. because it doesn't allow them to be as flexible to the client's needs and budgets as they need to be in order to to do the best job. So no, I fully, there's no part of what you said where I'm like, oh, that's the wrong way to do it. I think Mm -hmm. it's about knowing what's going to work best for you and your clients. Um, And I think what, what you've still got there is a really clear structure. Like you obviously know within your head, right? For this price point, I can generally do this. For this price point, I can do that. I'm not going to go below that figure. So it's not that you're basically going, yeah, whatever you'll pay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's working for both of you, which I love. Exactly. Have you ever had to deal with a client, a call, sorry, where the client has just completely detested your prices? Or like, how would you go about handling that situation? Let's say they literally turned around and say, well, no, I can't afford that. That's really expensive. Yes. I once had a client spit out their water. Uh, they were so surprised Um, and that was a big learning moment for me of making sure and that's one of the reasons that I'm public with my pricing is just to make Mm -hmm. sure that 
it, it is going to be affordable for my clients before I have that conversation. Yeah. I guess for me, one of the reasons that I am public with my pricing, or at least I'll give an indication of it if I, if I can't put a set figure on it, is because the last thing I want is for someone to almost build up all of this like hope and excitement of working with me. And then when it gets to the last hurdle, it just isn't a match financially. Yeah. Um, and that, that was a really hard conversation to have with that client because they were so shocked, but then there was also a real like sadness. And I was like, mm. oh, like that's a really hard thing to now sit with. Um, and yeah, that was one of those moments where as much as I was like flip as if they've just like spat their water out there so shocked. Um, oh it was also a learning <laughs> moment, which is I think the best we can do in those moments. Um, See, this is why as well, and I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but on my inquiry form, I actually ask if the client has a budget for the project. Yes, that was what I meant where I was like something pre-cool, doesn't matter if it's on your website or yeah. via email, just like a little, a little, hint of exactly so like if I have a client come to me and their budget is $200 it's going to be an instant no from me because I can tell that they don't value the services that I'm offering or don't value my services in particular um whereas if they maybe come to me and they say right my budget is you know a thousand to two thousand pounds and I'm looking for a packaging a website branding I'm like okay I can still do something within that budget Mm. but it might not be exactly what you wanted and that's when you have the conversations with them and say look for that price this is what we can do for you do you want to move forward with that um so again like having that pre I kind of know what you can and can't afford conversation is a little bit you know it helps you to ease into this process whereas you know if you turn around and like yeah that's going to be fifteen thousand dollars and they're like uh I only have a hundred pound and you're like okay sorry I'm like mixing up all of my I love the currencies going on I I work with so many American clients that I'm just like dollars this dollars that but (laughs) But yeah, so that's something important to mention. Yeah, no, I um, love that. And I think just like final thought on that, that's a, a great point of how our strategies look completely different, but the underlying intention yes. is the same. I, what we're both saying is that some form of pricing chat, whether that's you telling the client or you asking them pre-call, I think I would say is a non-negotiable. However you yeah, want to do agree. that, because I just think on both sides, it relieves the... The, the fear around you mentioning what that figure is going to be and takes Precisely. away the possibility that someone's going to spit their water out because they're so shocked at what it is and that's a horrible yeah. situation right you know you can see someone's face when you just said your pricing and that it can be such a confidence knocker yeah horrible. because you think oh god should I not be charging that much yeah like, am I not worth that but if you know okay well they told me that their budget was this and they've just like you know, d- dismissed something that was half the price, then they're mm-hmm. probably not valuing what you have to offer. Yeah. Again, it's that process of kind of weaving out who's right for you, who's going to value your services. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I kind of go through that whole section that I just mentioned, and I get to the point where I'm like, okay, so for 1k, we can do this, like, can, would you be able to agree to that? And they say, mm, no, not really. I would just then say, okay, that's completely fair. I appreciate your honesty. Would you mind expanding on what's holding you back? And then you can possibly either work through some objections with them or take some constructive criticism on how you can better approach mm-hmm. your sales call for next time. If they say yes, but it's a little bit, you know, well, maybe, I don't know, I'd have to see the proposal first. I'd basically say, okay, look, I'm sensing some hesitation here. I want you to talk me through anything that is holding you back right now. And again, similar process, you work through their objections. They might say something like, you know, I know that I need branding. I'm just a bit hesitant about, you know, it might not be exactly what I was looking for. And I'm a bit worried that it might not turn out to be the right thing. And you can sit there and you can work through those objections with Mm. them. Um, I'm currently in the process of actually putting together a bit of an objections worksheet. So I can say, if they say this, this is my response. I think it's just having that plan in place so that you can deal with things professionally and confidently. Yes. And I think with, I know it's phrases like objection handling, just making sure when you're doing that, and and this isn't from what you said, this is just how I've seen it talked about Mm -hmm. sometimes, like not coming back at them with emotional responses, but Mm. informative responses. I've seen, I don't really talk about objection handling because I think it can be done in a way that doesn't feel right, which is where someone gives an objection and someone basically says, well, if you're not willing to invest in yourself, then you're not going to grow. Or if you know, if you're Mm. really serious about your business, then you would spend this money. And I just think that's like borderline emotional blackmail and just like (laughs) not a nice experience for them, even if it's effective. Like for me, business is about blending values and 
impact. And I think objection handling, just as you've said, where it's like, hey, like, what are your hesitations? Okay, now let me give you information that helps you to decide if that's a genuine hesitation or or if it's not. And I think being willing to be honest, like if a client says, look, I'm really worried that the the timelines aren't going to match up because I've got this launch really soon and you know in the back Mm -hmm. of your head like yeah I I don't think I can meet that deadline you just have to turn around and be like look I I can't guarantee that but I will work as hard as I can to try and get you there Mm -hmm. you know you just have to kind of be honest but do it with confidence yes and still almost with this with the sale sort of in the back of your mind going right well yeah you know I can't guarantee that the outcome of this branding is going to be exactly pen to paper what you were looking for but I promise that Mm. I will create you something that looks amazing and will do its job. Mm -hmm. And I think the more you you can give examples of as well, you know, okay, well, when that happened with a client previously, here's how we dealt with it. Or I've had delays in the past, here is what that then looked like. It's just giving them as much information as you can. But like you said, not in a way that's like, oh, I'm so sorry, the answer to this is bad, don't work with me. But more like the answer to this is maybe different to what you hoped for, but also that's probably just because your expectation wasn't in the right place to let me help you understand that so Mm -hmm. I like that and I think pre-knowing what your response is to those things helps because it just takes a bit of the fear away right of like what if they say something it's like no they generally people are always asking the same questions as well they come up So we've reached that stage of the episode again where it's time to answer your questions. You guys know that I love doing this so that we can answer some super specific concerns and questions that you have in a little more detail. I think we're going to keep this pretty quick fire today. We have about 15 minutes left of the episode and we've already fired a ton of information at you. So let's dive into them. So how do you professionally and casually ask your client why they chose you? Interesting. I generally like on the call to acknowledge how they first came across me if they haven't mentioned Mm. it already so I might be like like they usually with what I do it's a lot of referral so like oh which client do you know where Mm. did you meet them and kind of that's how I figure out kind of what the starting point was but asking them like why did you choose me that's something that I like to do um at the onboarding process so once someone says yes to working Mm. with me uh one of the questions in my onboarding form is like where did you first find out about me and what made you decide that I was the right coach for you? And that is such a valuable question because it tells me what's working in my marketing Mm -hmm. and and why people choose me so I can do that on purpose. Um, And I think that's a good question to ask once they've said yes, because you know that all the people asking it are the right clients. Um, Mm. And also I quite like doing it via a form because I think when people are put on the spot, some people are so lovely with their words, but some people are a little bit better when you give them some separation from the question and they don't feel yeah. put on the spot. Um, so I personally quite like asking it in a form. I don't know what I you like do. I like that, yeah. No, so I ask basically in the inquiry form, um, I ask them where they found me. Normally it tends to be Instagram, Pinterest, mm-hmm. sometimes TikTok, which gets me because I'm like, yeah, I'm finally, you know, on other platforms. That's amazing. Love Instagram that. is not just my main place. <laughs> and then I do tend to ask them at the very end, you know, why us? Because sometimes in the inquiry form, somebody can just say, oh, I like your work. And you're like, yeah, fair enough. (laughs) But then sometimes some people are like, I just really love what you do and I want to work with you no matter what. And you're like, yes, you're one of my clients. (laughs) I love those. Or when they're like, so I just need to like book in now. And I'm like, no, no, we need to have a call. And they're like, I can't just book now. I'm like, no, no, there's there's another step. Yeah, exactly. They're the best clients. But then I have two questions in my actual sales call that really uncovers this information. And I think it's quite important to ask because, you know, it almost reminds the client of how badly they want to work with you, therefore setting them up to agree to your quote. Um, and also it helps you to establish if it's going to be a good relationship. So I mentioned this earlier, but I do like to ask, how do you see Wildflower being a part of and helping you to reach your goal? So it's almost asking them, like, what are you expecting from me, basically? Mm. And then I also say towards the end, so I'm sure you've maybe chatted to some other designers in this process, but I'm curious to know if there's a specific reason that you decided to reach out to us in particular. Mm. It's just about how you're wording it as well, rather than saying, so, why me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just a little bit more kind of in a professional manner, but still in a way that's quite casual. 
But yeah, I just really like to ask those. But I always find that they're like, I just love your work. You're amazing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I never really know how to respond to it. So I do like the idea of doing it in a form. Yeah, I think even having it like definitely within your form. And then if it feels natural to do it within the call as well, then great. Like the more information yeah. you can get. Sometimes I don't ask so. it because I'm like, oh, it feels a bit too awkward to bring up right now. I'm just not yeah. going to ask it. But if it flows and if it's going well, then yes, I will. I love that. And the, I know we're trying to do quick fire, but just the final thing I'd say to that is like create a tight feedback loop. Don't just hear that and go, oh, that's so nice. Ego boost, love that. What a nice little thing they've said. Like <laughs> change your marketing strategy as a result. Like if, mm. if people keep saying, oh, I love your approach or I love that you're super direct or actually I love that you work with your clients really flexibly, like make sure that's communicated on your sales page and your content. Like yes. use what people are saying they like about you to fuel the way you speak about yourself. Because often we think that. we know why people work with us but it's sometimes not what we expect because actually very rarely people turn around and they say I love your work like yes they they like my work but it's normally some kind of other reason mm -hmm. like I just love how much you know you talk about brand strategy or I love this and yeah that's that's a really great way to do things so like how do you keep the call casual and fun but still ensuring professionalism Good question. I guess starting the call in a chilled way, as we mentioned, like a little bit of small mm. talk, acknowledge something that's a bit funny, like have something in your head that you know you can chat about easily. Um, I think it's like re just relaxing into it. I think having yeah. a middle ground between if it's too scripted, they're gonna feel it and it'll feel awkward. If there's no structure to it, you'll chat for an hour and probably not actually talk about working together. So like have an outline beforehand, just as we were talking about Katie of like, right, almost stages like one, two and three, mm -hmm. or I, you know, what am I trying to get out of this call? I need to ask them this, this and this. But once you've got enough structure, like just let yourself relax into it. You're not there to perform. If you say something wrong, laugh at it or just yeah. move on. Like it, it, they're not expecting perfection. They actually want to see you in the same mm -hmm. way that you want to see them and they'll follow your lead. So if you're showing up really awkward or you're looking really, like I show up to inquiry calls often with no makeup on with my hair up because I don't want clients to feel like the expectation is also on them to look yeah. this, you know, quote unquote professional way, whatever that means. So yeah, I'd say have enough structure that you feel confident, but also just relax and be yourself. Because if you're not yourself, you're then going to have to show up to every other call like however you did in the first one. And that's <laughs> yes, exhausting. I love that. So I really like this question because, of course, it's important to stay professional and confident on the call, if that's your brand, of course, because some people are definitely more casual. Um, because, you know, the person that you're on a call with, as I mentioned earlier, is probably going to be investing a lot of money into you. So you want to ensure that, them that you're an expert who knows what you're doing and that they can put their trust in you. But equally, if you're going through your sales call worksheet like a robot just asking one question after the other, mm. they're probably not gonna feel that connection. So the first thing that I like to do is really keep things more open on the call. I give myself room to ask them more questions or, you know, oh, you just bought a new retail space. How exciting, what is it like? You're gonna have to send me some pictures. Like be interested and engaged with what they're saying. Secondly, just be yourself, you know, bring your personality to the table and really show them who you are as a person. Mm, I love that. Good point as well about like pre-research, like figure out a few things that show that you know who they are and you're not just showing up on the call like, so I've got no clue about your business. Like a little Instagram scroll yeah. goes a long way. I always say, you know, at the beginning of the call, oh my goodness, I've just seen this new product that you launched and it looks amazing. Or, you know, even if I work with a lot of startup brands, I just tend to ask them questions like, so what's going on in your business right now? Like, tell me. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I really like that. That looks so cool. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see how that turns out. And just be engaged. And a lot of people, you know, I tend to get feedback that says, I could tell that you were so interested in my brand. And that's how you want your clients to feel about you because, mm. you know, they know that you're going to work as hard as you can. Yes. Once they get to that point. Yeah. Here for that. So should I discuss the exact pricing and deliverables on the call or should I leave the finer details for the proposal? Mm. Totally depends what you do. Something yeah, like my work, very easy on the call to go, yep, yeah, this is what we're going to work through. This is how it's going to happen. I rarely send proposals nine times out of ten client says yes on the call and i send them the invoice and contract straight away yeah something like you do there are so many more details involved and so many intricacies and they're not exactly. going to be able to take that information in on a call it's going to be overwhelming so i think in that case proposals yeah 
and unless they ask me like specific questions like what kind of file types do I get what exactly Mm. does branding include and sometimes they do and that's great because they want to have all the information but generally I will leave the really like fine details to the proposal like in my proposal I tend to have three options and I have them sort of laid out side by side now so that they can see almost the deliverables grow per price point and I think that's a really nice thing for them to be able to see but I'm not just going to sit there and be like okay so for this amount you're going to get a two-hour branding strategy session you're going to get an in-depth presentation you're going to get this and it just gets a little bit much for them to take in whereas if you're just kind of saying okay so for that price point I can get you your branding and we can do the strategy included with that as well Mm -hmm. and that's that. And then they can turn around and say, okay, so what exactly is branding? Like, what does that include? And I do get those questions and it's fine. So it really just kind of depends how your proposal kind of process works. I was trying to think of the right <laughs> word for that then. Same, yeah, agree. Do you have any tips for closing the call? I always find it really awkward. Oh, that's a great question. I mean, it depends mm-hmm. how the call's going, right? I think the end of the call is where you want to be most reactive to how yeah. the conversation is going. I'd say mine generally go one of three ways. So it's either, yep, I'm ready to work with you right away. And I I generally don't like my clients booking on the call. I'm like, give it a few days, go and have a yeah, thing. Like, I, do the I same. am so conscious of people never booking because of like hype or urgency. Um, but if people are keen, I'll be like, cool, let's look at getting dates in. And I think generally when you start talking about like timelines, that's a great transition point because Mm. you can begin to say, okay, we could work to this timeline. Do you want to schedule in a draft date for that? And I can hold it in my schedule for X amount of days. But yeah, I think discussing timeframes is a good transition point and then just getting a feel for where they're at. So usually I'll say, look, if you want to go ahead right away, we can get a date in. If you want to give it a few days, I'm more than happy to send you a proposal. You've got a week to get back to me. There's no pressure with it, but then you can make a decision. And I think What I would say, which I've probably said a few times in this recording, is like, it's in your (laughs) hands. The client generally isn't going to naturally end and conclude that conversation. So there will come a point where you're like, okay, you know, let's put our brave pants on and like, we now have to do the, the final bit. Yes, completely. I find the end of the call really awkward as well. I I just feel like I don't really know how to wrap things up. Like for me, because I always send the proposal, I normally say like, let's schedule in a follow-up call. Let's put together a date for that if we feel like we need one. And then in that follow-up call is when I'll discuss, right, this is how you pay the deposit. This is, you know, we're setting up the date for the first initial call, blah, blah, blah. Um, So I tend to just go, that's amazing. I'm so glad, blah, blah, blah. Let's kind of schedule a follow-up call I'm going to put together a proposal etc and then I just say it's been really nice talking to you really nice learning more about your business I hope that we can chat more Mm. again soon um you know you'll be hearing from me really soon um bye basically I love that yeah I think just be really clear with what they can expect in terms of next steps don't over promise don't say I'll get that to you by the end of today if you know it's going to be tomorrow like it's your first opportunity to show that you're a great service provider so be realistic with next steps, follow up with that. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's a nice way to end. If I usually say to a client, like, look, either way, whether we work together or not, I've so loved getting to know you and your business. And I really hope you're feeling mm-hmm. clearer about how to move forwards, whether that's with me or not. And I actually yeah. think reinforcing constantly, there's no pressure. You don't need yeah, to. Yeah, I do actually this. Actually, <laughs> clients, it's funny. Sometimes on my calls, I'm the one being like, no, no, it's no pressure. And they're like, no, no, I want it like, I want to book in and I'm like, oh, no pressure. <laughs> I always say like, please feel free to go and chat with some other designers. Like there is no obligation to sign on with me once you receive this proposal. It's totally yeah. fine. And they're um, like, Katie, so, yeah, stop. Like, I'm going to sign it as soon as exactly. I Exactly. I want to work with you. <laughs> if anything, it makes them more like that. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. How do you manage the pre-call anxiety? Oh, I, I'm not good if I've got a lot of time before a call that's going to scare me. So I quite mm. like having my calls pretty back to back because it doesn't give me much time to kind of... Oh gosh, I'm the complete opposite. Really? <laughs> no, I don't like time. I'll generally do like a five minutes beforehand. I'll read over their email so I remember who they are um, because I just forget there's a lot of people that you meet when you run a business. Um, yeah, I'll just look over their notes, roughly think about what we're going to talk about. But I'm like, if I over prepare, 
that makes me worse. Whereas I know for some people, preparation Mm. gives them confidence. Yes, which is exactly me. I always make sure to have at least half an hour before the call starts so that I can sit down. I go through my sales call step by step and maybe adjust a few details here and there. I will go through and kind of set the the pricing that I want to mention in the call. Um, And I kind of just go through everything. I go through that information because I just, I have to be prepared Mm. because it just, it just gives me so much more confidence. Like if I go into a call and I'm like, oh my God, I haven't prepared for this. Like, I just feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And I was laughing because earlier on you were saying about how my podcast notes are so much more in depth. (laughs) And I think that's, that's probably why. (laughs) I love that though. And I do think with the nature of what you do, like preparation is more important. You know, I know my packages and pricing like the back of my hand because they're the same for absolutely everyone whereas if you are going to have to come up with something bespoke that is another thing I'd say I worked with a designer earlier this year and one of the reasons her sales calls weren't converting was because she didn't go into them knowing what her her different kind of price points would be for that client Mm. so she would end the call at like okay I'll get back to you with some some options and that just lost the touch point with the client because they dropped yeah. off. Whereas if you beforehand know, right, I'm going to propose this, this and this, it kind of allows you to have the full conversation on the call and then the follow-up can just mm-hmm. reinforce that. So I get that. It's so funny how different yeah. we are. I love it though. I know. <laughs> so that is everything we have time for today. I really hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode. I feel like this is going to be one of them ones where you've sat with your notebooks <laughs> and your pens and jotting stuff down. I love these kinds of episodes because they're so informative and I feel like we've offered a lot of value in this episode. So feel free to kind of give us both DMs on Instagram with any questions. I'm sure we'll both be happy to answer any additional questions that you mm-hmm. have. But I, I think we've pretty much covered a lot of stuff here regarding sales 100%. calls. 100%. So. When I saw that, when you first said, we'll talk about sales calls, I was like, how are we going to talk about sales calls for an hour? And now I'm like, part two, anyone? <laughs> like, so many more thoughts. Exactly, exactly. I, I always feel that way at the end of these episodes. I'm like, oh my God, I could continue talking about this for hours and hours. Yeah, it's so good. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been, yeah, yes. it's been so interesting. I feel like I've learned so much, so thank you. Yes, I always feel that way after these calls. And it's been so nice talking to you as well. You have such a way of like putting things that I'm, because I mentioned in, I did this in the episode with, with um, Kenzie. I was like, I'm so bad with words. Like I can't word things <laughs> properly in a way that explains them well. And you've just come in, you're like, yeah, sales calls are this. And I'm like, oh my God. Well, that's why my business is speaking and your business is creativity because you're really, you know, if if you sat me in front of whatever you use in design photo, it would be a disaster. So, you know, we're in our zones of genius. (laughs) Love that. You do you, I'll do me. But no, thank you. Make sure to go and give Alice a follow. What's your Instagram handle? I'm at Alice underscore Benham. I love a voice note. So voice note DM me and I will love oh, you forever. Okay. That's all I'll say. <laughs> but yeah, make sure to go and follow at Off Air Pod as well. And we will be back with you next week with another juicy episode. Bye. Bye.